welcome to Inspiration from the Couch. I'm Avery. I'm Jamie. And I'm Lucy. We are psychologists and moms. Join us as we discuss what we've figured out, what we've yet to figure out, and what there's just no figuring out. It's sure to be fun, and you may be inspired along the way. Hello, this is Avery. We really hope that you're enjoying our series on relationships, and we hope that you all have a wonderful Valentine's Day filled with love for yourself and the people in your lives. And if you're feeling the love and you want to share the love, we would love for you to rate us. Wherever you get your podcast, you should be able to rate episodes, rate our podcast, even leave feedback. And we would just invite you to do that. We'd really appreciate hearing from you and having you share the love. Welcome. Today, we're going to continue our relationship series with a discussion about resolving conflict. So we're going to talk about fighting fair and review some helpful strategies that we've picked up along the way professionally and in our own relationships as well. So as I've been preparing for this episode, I've collected some insights from a variety of couples. I've talked about this topic of fighting fair with friends and family members, some of whom have been divorced and remarried, some are young newlyweds, people that have been married for decades. So we've talked about kind of what it means to fight fair and some strategies have kind of bubbled up to the top of like how people resolve conflict. So I kind of made like a list of 10 and then we'll add kind of at the end if there's anything else that we're kind of still thinking you know, deserves to go on the list. I'm almost like imagining this should be a countdown and a number 10. <laughs> number 10. In no particular order. <laughs> so the first one that kind of came up was this idea of compromise. So I was talking to this couple, they're friends of mine, Robin and Kevin, and they mentioned that if one person walks away from a compromise thinking that they've won, that they've gotten more, it's not really a compromise. And so I loved this idea of like this importance of both parties kind of needing to like give something up in a compromise versus like winning something because it kind of focuses, it shifts the focus, right? From like, what do I need to what am I going to give to you? You know, what do, what do you need? What do you want? And I really liked that. I think they, they really talked about how helpful it was for them to focus on giving to the other person versus getting something for themselves. And I think that that really does keep perspective in a conflict of like, I want to give this person something. I want to resolve this conflict. You can see how it would keep you grounded. So what about for you guys? Is compromise an important part of fighting fair in your relationships? Or have you seen compromise be an important kind of part of people resolving conflict in your practices? Yeah, I talk about that all the time when I okay. work with with couples or individuals that with, you know, with compromise, there there may be some areas in your relationship where you're unwilling to give up a certain thing, but maybe that certain thing, there is flexibility around it. Mm. Okay, so for example, you know, if, you know, Robert is training for ultra marathons, races, all of that kind of stuff, that's not something that he wants to give up. He wants to continue to race. He wants to continue to do those things. Yes, a lot of times it will drive me crazy, but the compromise around that is, when are you doing this? Yeah. How much are you doing this? Where are you doing this? How does this relate to our time as a couple and as a our time as a family. And so I don't want to begrudge him that that those things like the racing and stuff is very important to him. But where we can move around it is like the when and the where and the how. So what kinds of things would you make compromises with? Like for y'all specifically, how has that played out? It has played out in that he checks in. Like we have conversations before he signs up mm -hmm. for race 
spaces. You know, he doesn't just do it willy nilly. He checks in with me. You know, do we have anything going on this weekend? Would you all be interested in going with me? I would really love your support for this particular race. It's big. So more of a decision together versus like informing you of a decision that's already been made. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you get, exactly. You get some, some say. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you, Lucy? What about compromise? Yeah, Where I you think that compromise show are... I do think they're important. And I think in all relationships. So, and I imagine a lot of these, what we're going to talk about in Fighting Fair, kind of able to be extended Mm -hmm. across the board. I am not very, I'm not going to say I'm not good at compromising, but I like, like it's hard. I think it can be hard to compromise. Like I want what I want or I don't want to give things up. Right. I think like there's that gut instinct for all of Mm -hmm. us. And so really having to kind of perspective take or think about the other's perspective and how would I feel if I was in their shoes? Like that's a really helpful question for me that really helps me be more generous than I might want to be yeah. at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of a like, lens we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So the, uh, the another thing that Robin and Kevin talked about was the idea of apologizing versus making amends. And so Robin actually was kind of just talking about like the difference that apologizing can really be helpful, but making amends is a, is a kind of a different concept that apologizing is something I can do by myself. I can say, I'm sorry, and it could just kind of land or not, but that making amends is about like mending the relationship, having a conversation, ultimately changing behavior, perhaps. And she also pointed that was really interesting that our conversation had started with this idea of fairness and had very quickly shifted to forgiveness, which I think is really interesting. And because I, I do think forgiveness and compassion are hugely important tools as we manage conflict with with any anyone, really. So how does making amends or making repair might be another way of saying it? How does that kind of show up for you guys? Again, like personally or clinically, what do y'all see with that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's absolutely necessary, as we talked about in our last couple of podcasts, that being hurt, having miscommunication, hurting one another, those things are inevitable in a relationship. And so to be able to come together and repair and make amends is extremely important for the health of your relationship because nobody's perfect Mm -mm. in their relationships or, well, just in general, I don't know anybody that's perfect. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's extremely important. It's a a key, I think, in in relationships, you you have to be able to to do that. Yeah, yeah. And I, I will say, I'm not I, I'm not the best at it. Quite honestly, at apologizing, I'm a much more avoidant individual. And earlier on in our marriage, you know, Robert would always complain. He was like, "You never say, you know, you never say you're sorry, or you never approach." He would approach, and then I would have the the conversation. My style, a lot of times with conflict, is that I move away, I withdraw. Mm-hmm. Whereas Robert is an approacher, you know, and yeah. kind of pursues. Yeah. And so you can kind of see like the chase that can happen, <laughs> right? Like when we're having a conflict, and I want to withdraw and go into my room and not say anything. And here he comes and he wants to have this conversation and he's pursuing me because it's an anxiety provoking situation Mm -hmm. for him and for me. That's why he pursues is because it's anxiety provoking. And for me, it's anxiety provoking. And that's why I move away because I need to like settle myself before we have a conversation. So it's, um, yeah, you know, I I think that that's something when you're, you're making amends, uh, attempting to apologize, you know, you need to be aware of like, what's kind of the position that you play in that relationship dance um, of disagreement. 
you know, what do you do? That's mm-hmm. right. And even those dynamics, Jamie, and I don't know if this is on the list, one of the ones later, but even just understanding kind of the, the patterns and the relationship mm-hmm. dynamics, and there's not really like a right and wrong way to do it, but right. this is going to impact how we show up in conflict and disagreements mm-hmm. and fighting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And and one thing I want to mention too about making amends is I think it is so important to especially do that in parenting. I think a lot of parents I talk to kind of have this belief that they they shouldn't have to or shouldn't apologize to their children, that somehow that makes it, I don't know, like the power of a differential off. And, and I will say that I think that that's actually one of the most important relationships to really make repair and, and not to say it's, it's not, Oh, I'm so sorry that I gave you that consequence. Let me take it back. That, that's not what it is. It's, I'm really sorry. I lost my, lost my cool. I said something I shouldn't have. I said it in a way I shouldn't have. I should, I mean, to own up and take that responsibility hugely, hugely important, both from like a integrity of the relationship with your child and even modeling, just modeling how to show up in their relationships. And so I think, I think that's a lot of parents in my practice, I think, kind of fall into that trap of like, well, I can't, they have to have consequences, which of course they do. And that, that those are two completely separate things. I can take your phone away and continue to have your phone and apologize that I spoke in anger or handled it in a way that I, that I wish I hadn't. I think one of the things that makes apologizing hard is that to apologize, we have to acknowledge we were wrong. And for some of us, right, that may be kind of hard because Mm -hmm. we want to be right. That's right. And so I think a really helpful framework for me has been thinking about it. Like if you spilled a glass of milk, if I spilled milk here, I would just clean it up. Yeah. Right. And so can we take kind of the judgment and the shame and the guilt and like all of that stuff that gets in the way and instead think of it like thinking about it, like how do I clean this up? That's right. Because this is just what happens. Like milk gets spilled and we've just got to clean it up. Right. And you're the one that took ownership of that. Yeah, I think that that's, yeah. that's really important. And we can do a whole other podcast on forgiveness mm-hmm. and making amends. Because I think a lot of people have misconceptions and myths about how, how to do it, why you do it, all of those sorts of things. Because there there is a, a difference in, you know, apologizing and owning up, making amends for what it is your part, what you're doing, versus, you know, saying, I'm so sorry you felt that way. Right. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So back to Robin and Kevin. They're just delightful. I think you guys should meet them sometime. They're really fun. <laughs> Lots of wisdom. Yeah, yeah, they do. do have a lot of wisdom. So Robin's husband, Kevin, actually was talking about the importance of of intent. And he really talked about this. They, they really have these wonderful like grounding strategies. I really love this, but they're reflecting on intent when in an argument. So he was saying, just kind of asking yourself, like, what is my intent here? Is my intent to win? Or is my intent to understand? He also talked about another great question to ask oneself in conflict, which is, what do I gain by winning? And this like hit me right in the heart because at the very beginning of our marriage, John mentioned to me that he noticed that I am I was pretty good at arguing. And the, I, I do have good verbal skills. I can create an argument. Like if the psychology thing doesn't pan out, I could probably be <laughs> a really great litigator. But because I'm good at arguing, like I can find points and pull them together. And he mentioned that if I had, if I wanted to, if I decided to, I could probably win any argument that we ever had. And so he really did kind of request that I just not try to win, that I kind of love him enough and respect him enough to put that aside and just try to communicate 
versus trying to win. There's that um, quote, which I love. It's like, you can be right or you can be in relationship, but Mm -hmm. you can't do both. That's right. Mm -hmm. Like, which one's more important? That's exactly right. And so he, it's just stayed with me. And I, Mm. that I don't really gain anything by winning the argument. I'm not going to get a prize. I'm not going to get like a settlement. And to really, and and not to say I don't fall into it sometimes. I still, still do. But just that kind of idea of like, am I trying to win or am I trying to resolve? Right. And, and I think that, like you said, do I say that quote one more time? Do you want to be right or do you want to be in relationship? Yes. Yeah. So what about you guys? Do you ever feel like you fall into that habit of like formulating a wonderful argument versus like trying to resolve or focusing on resolution? I think that sometimes for me, that can really interfere with me being present and listening to someone else's experience, right? Because you're formulating like, well, here's how I'm going to respond and here's what we're going to say rather than truly listening. So to add to our podcast listens, we seem to be doing that today. Like, (laughs) I think we should do one on deep listening and how that looks and what that feels like. Yeah. Yeah. And I think where couples get in trouble is when they assume various intent from their partner, right? So rather than assuming like that my partner is, is... there for me, and this is a blip kind of on the, you know, the radar of our relationship, they'll assume all kinds of mal intent for their, you know, from their partner, which is problematic, all the stories that people mm-hmm. can create around that. And something too, I think is important to differentiate. And I was talking with you yesterday, Avery, about this is there's a difference between intent and impact, right? Yeah. Okay, so we can apologize and say, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. Or we can acknowledge like, I have hurt you and I'm so sorry that you are suffering in this kind of way. And acknowledging the impact is, to me, is a more effective way of offering up an apology or an amends, right? Because I could not mean to hurt you and still hurt you. Yeah. I mean, I could just not be paying attention Mm -hmm. and accidentally hit you with my car. I mean, and you don't probably really care that I would, you know, like you have two broken legs, right? Right. Like I I need to to focus on the legs, not your intent. Right. I need to acknowledge the impact that I've had on you. Yeah. 100%. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 100%. Number four. Number four. (laughs) So number four is take one for the team. And Mm -hmm. so Stacy, who has been married for over 20 years, mentioned that sometimes you just have to take one for the team. So this is not a compromise. This is just a conscious decision to just give the other person what they want. She went on to point out that it isn't particularly helpful to like bring that up in future, <laughs> like to score keep and say, remember that time when I gave you exactly what, like that you just have to kind of either because it's more important to the other person it is to you. It's more important to like not fight than to be right, whatever those kind of situational characteristics are, but that it really is so important just to kind of take one for the team, give one, give one, give a win. And I think the caveat to that is you can't hold on to it. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's like if you're going thing. to do that, yeah, you right. have to do it with like genuineness. Yeah, exactly. And like, let it go. Right. Versus um, like grumbling yes. the whole way there. Right. 1997 <laughs> where you didn't want- yes. Or yes. like, yes, Robert, I'll come with you to this race, yes. but I'm not going to be happy about <laughs> right. it. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Right. So do you guys ever find yourself doing that? Like taking one for the team? Like, how do you navigate that how do you see that show up for you yeah i mean sometimes i'm grumbly about it like i just said like (laughs) he wants to do something i'm like oh i don't want to um but (laughs) 
<laughs> but but yeah, I mean, I think I'm the the more practice that I have with that, the the better it is. And I mean, he, you know, one of the things is that I acknowledge and try to keep top of mind that he does that for us and our family oh, all the nice. time. So that's I need nice. to look again at sort of the timeline of our relationship, everything that we've been through. I need to keep that in mind, like the overall health of our relationship. Mm. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to score keep kind of keep the positive, yeah. right? So remember <laughs> right. all of the positives that, yeah, I love that. I love that. Okay. So number five is access. Number support. five. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Is access support from other sources. So same Stacey was also kind of talking about like finding other outlets for what you need, not trying to get everything from one person, which we've kind of talked to, uh, talked about in, in the previous podcast in this series, that you really need to have other sources support. She also kind of made this nice kind of, I don't know, kind of this idea of like, even if what you need is like winning, the time to get that need filled is not an argument with your spouse. Like if you need to win, go win on the golf course or go win, you know, in cards or billiards or whatever else. Like go fi- fill that need elsewhere, not in a in an interaction necessarily with your spouse. And so I love this idea of both like identifying sources of support that could help you, but even like what what needs could get met outside. So what about what about you guys? Do you feel like you kind of have that like multiple outlets to get what you need or how do you kind of foster that for yourself or for other people? How do you kind of help them to get that? Yeah. I mean, I think you, you have to, as we've talked about before, like it's, it's important that, you know, you have that we-ness in the relationship, but there is the aspect mm-hmm. of the, the me-ness, the, mm-hmm. your, your own stuff that you need to take care of, you know, on your own. Like, for example, I mean, I have, I have the two of you, I have some other friends like that. We all share the same field of work. Our careers are, are all the same. And so, you know, I, I go to you all to talk about that, to consult, you know, about clients or about professional questions or things like that. Whereas Robert can't really offer me up too much since he just, he's not a psychologist. He doesn't have the training in it. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, and and also too, like for different kinds of emotional needs, you know, that that I have, um, that we all have, you know, it's important for me to maintain a great relationship with my sister and I'll go with, I'll talk to her and, you know, we've got shared memories and experiences about growing up and we can bond over that. Whereas Robert and I don't share the same, same history. So it's, yes, you need to have different people in your life to fulfill different things. And I would think that that impacts the fighting fair. I think there's a lot more potential to fight and to have the stakes take on a different meaning. If that is your only source of support Mm -hmm. or relationship, Mm. it's like tries to be the everything. There's just a lot more pressure on it, which can combust. Yeah, for sure. Right. For sure. It's all exactly. your eggs in one basket. Not, yep. not, not risky. Uh-uh. risky. Very risky, risky. risky. So number six. <laughs> <laughs> so another couple I talked to, um, Liz and Zach, who are both in their 20s. They just got married like within the last year. And they had some wonderful advice as well. And so Liz shared some advice that actually she had received, I think, from her mother and that this idea that it's OK to go to bed angry. So that's number six is it's OK to go to bed angry, but don't wake up angry. And the idea was that if you're in an argument, if you're in a conflict, sometimes you do just need to go to bed. And so, and kind of this idea that everything looks better in the morning and that like in the morning, you don't necessarily have to hold on to it like you can let it go. Or if it still needs to be resolved, that's fine. But now you're rested and you can actually maybe move towards resolution. And I, I think the other couples I talked to mentioned this kind of similar idea of like everything looks better in the morning. Everything looks better after a good night's sleep. And I find for me, it's sometimes hard for me to fall asleep if something's not quite resolved. 
And sometimes that's exactly what I need is I just need to like pause, sleep, rest, come back with a fresh kind of perspective in the morning. What about you guys? Do you try to button everything up before bed or do you do you allow yourself to go to bed angry? Oh, I I can let myself go to bed angry. Sometimes it's not a, a healthy thing. You know, like I said, I'm a withdrawer. So oh, I can I yes. can stay uh I can stay silent <laughs> for bed, a long time. Go to bed, wake up. <laughs> for a <laughs> long time. <laughs> um but I do what you were saying, Avery, as far as taking the pause, you know, yeah. at, and so whether that's overnight, whether that's an hour, however long that needs to be, I think, you know, when you find yourself in this repetitive pattern of arguing, sometimes it is more effective to take a break separate, allow yourself to regulate your emotions and allow your partner mm. to regulate their emotions. And it's not to, at, during that time, ruminate on everything that has just been said. It's regulate, really to not settle. ruminate. I love that. Yeah, yeah it's, uh-huh. it's really to settle. And so the, those breaks can be really helpful. So again, you can come back in more of a wise mind space um, that will help you protect your relationship versus kind of hammering home the same sort of like point that you've been trying to hammer home during this particular right. argument. That's right. Mm-hmm. How important is it that you come back? It is important that you mm-hmm. come back. Yes. Because mm-hmm. there are loads of couples that I work with where, you know, they've had the same arguments over and over throughout the years. And it's because they don't come back. You know, it things just kind of fade away, get swept under the rug, and then it will inevitably come up again, mm-hmm. maybe in a slightly different form. But usually what I see is couples have the same arguments over and over mm-hmm. again and no real sense of resolution, which is extremely distressing. It's just... Mm-hmm. Worry go around around. Yeah. Around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the same dynamic we were talking about earlier is that people may have different opinions about that. Some people may like, I don't want to go to bed if we still have any fight. And other people are like, I can't talk about mm-hmm. it now. I have yes. to have space. Mm-hmm. And so I think, how do we compromise around mm-hmm. that? Whose needs get prioritized? And then if we're the one who has to like sit with discomfort, how do we practice tolerating it? Avery, like you were saying, like sometimes maybe it's hard to go to bed, but that's just what you need. Right. So how do we kind of grow that skill as well? Right. And, and and respect that our mode may be different than our partner's mode and how Absolutely. do we kind of make space for that? Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I have found um, like taking a pause or taking space almost like harder with my kids, right? Mm. So if my kids are distressed or they're into something, you know, something's going on, like I do think it's helpful. Like, okay, we're just going to walk away and like give it time and space to let things settle. Mm-hmm. Sometimes as a parent, I think that's hard, right? Like yeah. we don't want to see them upset and distressed. Right. Now it feels urgent, especially if we feel like we're the, the cause of it mm-hmm. in some way. We'll resolve it quickly. Mm-hmm. So Liz's husband Zach mentioned that it's also really important to take responsibility. So that's number seven: take responsibility. And he said that you know you can't really change another person, but you can try to put yourself in the other person's shoes and take responsibility for your own shortcomings. So first of all, like what an insightful, amazing guy this is. And he's in his twenties. Like I'm like this is great. But I love this idea of focusing on taking responsibility responsibility for your own stuff and then trying to see things from another person's perspective. Because and and one way that I like to try to do that, especially with with Wesley, with my daughter, is when we're talking is to say, is there anything else I need to understand? Before I start talking, because I'm I am a big talker, before I start speaking, help me hear everything you need me to hear. What about for you guys when you're trying to kind of Seek understanding, take responsibility. Any tips that you guys have for helping people or yourself? 
do that. I think that question of like what pieces are mine. So mm. once again, like in an earlier podcast that didn't see to want to complain or mm. blame, you know, point the finger. And so how do we start looking inward on like what's mine? Yeah. Right. I can still talk about how I feel about what someone else is doing, but which of these pieces, you know, takes two to tango. And so how do we just get comfortable with that? I love that. I had a supervisor once that talked about conflict as being like a big pile of laundry or like family issues, basically. Mm -hmm. And then if you basically come in and take your own laundry, like the pile will go down, but everybody's got to kind of take their own laundry. And so I I like this idea of like, which which parts are mine? What are, what can I take? I love that. And I love the perspective taking. I think empathy is such an important relational skill because it makes us soften. Yeah. Right. And I think, I think when we fight unfairly, it's when we get prickly and armored up and defensive that tends to lead to the most unfair fighting and we can soften and open. And I think empathy and compassion help with that, that it yeah. just shifts how right. we show up. That's right. So the next one, number eight, is to focus on one issue at a time. So another couple I talked to, Casey and Kelly, been married for years and years, and they said it's really helpful to just focus on the issue at hand and then move forward. Uh, So kind of keeping the discussion on topic. How rarely we do that, though, right? So like you're supposedly upset about one thing, and then I'm going to talk about the past 20 years of things, and I'm going to make the generalizations. You never do this or that. Mm -hmm. You always do this (laughs) or that. Or let me just get it all out of the table. Right. Now that we're rolling. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Exactly. And I see this show up so much in my practice, too, that we'll start talking about one thing, especially if I meet with like, you know, parents and children together or any members of the family together that will start talking about the issue of homework. And then it goes into like, well, you're never responsible or like, remember in fifth grade, you would never like, it just kind of cycles. And then like, while we're talking about, let's talk about the boyfriend and let's talk about the friend. And it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And then we're having seven fights at once and we can't resolve any of them because it's just constant. And it you becomes know, more yeah. of a character assassination than that's like. Right. What is that mythical character that like if you chop up its head, like three heads grow back? That's what it feels like. Oh yeah. Do you know what I mean? Where you're like, oh, I'm gonna end this. Nope, but it's gonna just come back and explode. Yeah. So, so yeah, I think that. What are your tips on keeping things focused? Any ideas that that would be helpful that you see in your practice of like kind of trying to keep it to the to one subject. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's really hard not to kitchen sink it. I mean, I think it, it. that can be really hard, but you, you have to be mindful about what you're talking about. And usually where I see it is when you have partners where one wants to talk about a particular issue and then you've got the other partner who's wanting to bring up something else and then that escalates and then you'll bring up something else and then they'll bring up something else. And then we're off track from the original, you know, thing that we're trying to work out here. And so you have to be mindful about the way that you argue and and what you're doing. And, you know, you can say things to your your partner like, okay, you know, I hear you. And I think that that's really important. I would like to address this with you. And can we focus on this right now? Like, it'd be great if we could focus on this. Make a list of like the other topics we might want to like go through sequentially or at a different time. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And I, I see this certainly in my own relationship and other relationships as well is that I am a, a person, like if I'm upset, I'm, I'm not going to be able to rest until we talk about it. And so like, I'm going to let it, I'm going to get it out right now, today. My husband, John, is more of like a barrier, mm-hmm. right? And so like a lot of times what will happen is I'll be mad about one thing that happened today and trying to clear it out. And he's been harboring these five or six things that I'm mm-hmm. doing that constantly that are annoying. And I've kind of poked the bear and he's like, well, what? here it is because it's, 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 I've kind of 
kick the wasp nest, kind of so to speak. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something we've really had to navigate is like, okay, we need to talk about all those things. But right now I'm angry and I've come to you with this one thing. So we got to resolve this one and then we can go to these other things or even better, let's try to check in on those things as we go so that they don't have to become these big festering, you know, conflict kind of things. So number nine is listen. This is what my husband said, John, he said his best advice for fighting fear is to make sure that you're listening. And he also said, if you're too upset to listen, give it some time and then come back when you're calm enough to really listen to what the other person is saying. Um, And I think sometimes we even hear like, it's really helpful to reflect back what the other person is saying. So like, Jamie, what I hear you saying is, did I get that right? That that's kind of a nice trick for active listening. Um, What about you guys? Any other tips or tricks that you have found along the way for active listening? I kid you not. Sometimes I pretend I'm the therapist. Like I've got to go in therapist mode. Yep. Right. (laughs) Which really like takes myself out of it because sometimes Mm. I I think it's striking to me, like how we can hold people's pain and discomfort in our therapy office in such a beautiful way. And then you get home and someone's talking to you about something that you're involved in and it becomes so much more personal (laughs) and that it just stirs up something different. So almost like, how do you put on that therapist hat with like, let me really just try to hear and understand and like pretend like I literally pretend like they're talking about someone else. Mm -hmm. Like there's a third person. It's not me. So I can be a more objective Mm -hmm. sort of listener. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, like, you know, if your partner is is super upset with you and it's very hard for you to listen because maybe they're tone, they're angry or whatever, you know, I think it's okay to say like, I'm, I see that you're really upset with me, that you're really distressed with me. And it's really hard for me to, to hear you right now because of the way that you're coming at me. You know, can we just take 30 minutes and then come back to it so I can prepare myself better? And so maybe you can kind of get your, get your thoughts together. Mm-hmm. Love that. Go get your shit together. Yeah. Right. It depends. Uh-huh. Like, yes. you know, like how you say it uh, can kick it off. Like, all right, why don't you go take your meds and then come back? Right. And then we'll, no, no, we don't no, need to no, say that. No, 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 no. no. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's been funny over the years. I've noticed, and I see this with my children, I've seen it with clients too. When someone is very emotionally activated, like that's where that validation comes in. Like, wow, like this really sucks or this is so hard. If you just like go heavy on that, like it can quiet it Mm. when you can have a better conversation, but you can't have a good conversation when your emotions are at a 12 on a 10 point scale. Mm No, cannot, cannot. So the last one, number 10 actually came from my daughter. (laughs) (laughs) Number 10, which is write it down. So Wesley uh, mentioned that she often likes to write a, a letter to kind of settle conflict. And we do that actually a lot in our family. We, John and I went to this like premarital counseling way before we even got married. And one of the big parts of it was writing letters. It was actually really funny. There was like, so that during a lot of the first couple of years of our marriage, if we had conflict, we'd write letters. And we had this little cat at the time. And one day we were just like, I think making our Christmas list or something. And she got very distressed because she thought we were angry. And she's like running back and forth. And I was oh. like, this is how we handle conflict. Oh. So we just write it down. And so anyway, but we do that a lot in our family, just kind of like gives us some time and space to kind of collect our thoughts. And, and I think it's really helpful. I think with one caveat, I don't know that it's helpful to text conflict back and forth because there's so much tone and stuff that can be lost, like active conflict. This is more just like 
I'm going to collect my thoughts and help you to like try to get you to understand. Well, text is so fast. That's right. Right. So you can fire things off before you've even like thought about it. Out into the yeah, ether. Where like, if you yes. handwrite it, it tends to be longer and then you've got to like wait Settle. and find mm-hmm. the person and hand the letter and then they have to read it and they have to respond. Like it slows it down. Slows it down. Yes. Slows it down. Well, and I, I would say like some of that, like the the writing the letter, you, you may not necessarily have to give it to the other person, mm. you know, and you might not want to give them the first draft, depending <laughs> on what, what, your, what, your, what your anger level is at. So you need to think about like, what is this for? Is this is this for me or am I trying to get them to change something? Like what what is my intent really when I'm when I'm doing this? Mm-hmm. So. What about you guys? Any other things we should add to the list? Any other ways that you guys have handled conflict in your own relationships or have counseled people as they've handled conflict? Any other tips? It's interesting because I am on the opposite side where I'm very conflict avoidant, right? So there's Mm. not a lot of conflict in in my life, but I think that maybe like my growth edge is more how do I keep speaking truth and like step Mm. into conflict that then maybe I can pull out these 10 skills for. Yeah. yeah. From that standpoint. Yeah. I mean, and I think one of the things, because I work with couples for quite a while, couples and families, but one of the big pieces, and it's one of the the four horsemen um, <laughs> things to avoid that John Gottman has come up with, is this idea of contempt. Mm. Um, that the way that you talk to your partners, if you contempt is like the the number one downfall really in relationships. If you have a contemptuous attitude towards your partner, if you engage in in um you know, really severe, like name calling or cursing at, or just those sorts of things. Like that shows that there's um, pretty significant issues in your relationship, and you may need to seek outside assistance for that if you reach that level. It's mm-hmm. a great point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, as we kind of wrap this up, what kind of pearls stick with you? There from the top ten that we kind of talked about, or any other little pearls of wisdom that you would want to share with our listeners about fighting fair, handling conflict. One of the things for me that I encourage couples to do is is pay attention to how you argue, not necessarily mm. what you're arguing about, but how you argue. Like, for example, I know in my relationship that I'm more of a withdrawer and Robert is more of a pursuer. So I know that that's kind of the dynamic when we get into conflicts. And so how can I take ownership of like my tendency and conflict and maybe switch it up a little bit? Or how can I communicate about that? Like, hey, I'm feeling really emotionally overwhelmed. I need to um, calm down a bit. And then let's come together here at the end of the day so that Mm -hmm. we can talk about this. So that way, it's not me leaving him hanging and his own anxiety and frustration and and things. And doing things like that can really help shift um, the dynamic of how you argue. I think also looking for the the theme or gr- bigger like meaning underneath the argument because sometimes we're arguing mm-hmm. about you know taking out the trash or like mm-hmm. whatever it may be but it's not really about the trash it's about not yeah. feeling seen or heard, heard or understood or appreciated like the the layers underneath and if we can start to tap into those and notice patterns like maybe that gives us greater leverage for what to actually will be more effective in like working on in the relationship. Love that. Love that. So kind of paying attention to how we argue and then our, and then the what, like, is there a similar what that keeps coming up that's letting us and know like, it's what's not. what's underneath the content. Yes. Like what's the, the hidden, bigger thing. Yeah. 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 The like unspoken topic right. that's like right. a little deeper. Trying yeah. to go deeper than mm-hmm. just like, oh, well, you need to take out the dark garbage of like, what, what's going on here? Yeah. I love that. I love that. And I think, I think really it's just to 
to kind of focus on that responsibility, I think is my, uh, my biggest takeaway is that looking inward of what can I do? How can I show up? How do I want to speak to my partner? How do I want to handle this? And acknowledging that power that you do have in how you, how you express yourself and how you show up in conflict. So I think that's going to do it for us today. And our next episode's going to be on our book club. Yeah, right? we're, we're taking sexy back. <laughs> <laughs> Justin Timberlake bringing sexy back. I'm playing in my head as I say that. So we'll look forward to seeing you then. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Subscribe to Inspiration from the Couch wherever you access your podcasts. We always welcome your feedback. Visit us on our website at inspirationfromthecouch.com. Thank you.